Welcome to Ticketbud Tidbits. My name's Lisa Carson and I'm your Ticketbud host. Today we're joined by Jimmy Carello, who has experience in events and marketing. He runs Hint Creative Group, a boutique agency with an emphasis on visual and conceptual business strategy. Their event services include complete branding, development and marketing execution. Jimmy is the Creative Marketing Director for World of Light, an immersive art installation event debuting in Los Angeles next month and running until August. The experience is described as an otherworldly journey of visual imagination with the transformation of a 50,000 square foot space uh, designed to be the world's first fully interactive exhibition with immersive installations, mixed media, live art, and 360 VR mapping incorporated into the experience. I'm really keen to hear about what's gone into the planning and pulling all this together. So welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, Yeah, you pretty much said everything that I could say. Yeah, definitely glad to be here and to be part of this podcast series. Wonderful. It's great to have you. Um, So what are some of the unique elements for putting this event together? Like what needs to be considered for this sort of pop-up installation event? I think that one of the first things that we considered when... uh, sort of like the conceptual part of this was how to make a user experience unique. You know, everyone has been to an art gallery at one point or another and been like, oh, that was interesting or this was that. And we kind of put all our minds together and we started like getting the pros and cons of all the exhibits that we all had kind of gone to and itemized everything that we were lacking, so to speak, in uh, our experiences. And Mm -hmm. that was probably the first challenge that we had was to figure out all the things that we we haven't seen and how we can actually implement those to become what is now known as World is Light. Okay. What have been some of the like key learnings and like you said, challenges uh, that have come up along the way that you can now use for you know future events and also share with other organizers? I think there's two levels to that. Um, the first level would probably be the production side. Obviously, since this is like an immersive uh, experience, basically we've taken 2D into 3D and now we're like, Uh, allowing people to walk through, you know, an exhibit with like live installations. And that was the production side of the difficult. And that made things a little more difficult was how to like basically achieve that. And, you know, working with artists that, you know, would tailor their work to our needs was probably the first um, pitfall, you know, we had to kind of overcome. And, you know, working with the artists was probably, I would say, the first part of the challenge. And then the second part was, okay, now that we have the art, now that we have what we want, you know, let's get a space to make it work <laughs> and um, and then let's test it, you know? So like, I think that just through that experience right there, if I was to go into this, you know, now knowing that, I would be a little bit more prepared with the conceptual side now knowing that there's capabilities of what you can and can't do, you know, like trying to figure those out before you start having the yeah. installations. Yeah, so it was... I think if anyone was to put together an exhibit, you know, with the intention of having something that's like going to be groundbreaking or unique in any special way, I think it's good to have tested those things and those theories or thoughts or ideas with production first um, before, you know, like trying to find the sourcing and the funding and all that in the space, because that was probably like the most challenging thing I would say that out of all this that we've encountered, but we've uh, prevailed. So we're really excited to share this with you guys. I think everyone has an idea at one point or another and they want to execute that idea. But the reality of that, you know, on the production level side is really where it's like, okay, now it's not just an idea. Now you're actually implementing something in real life. So it was, you know, making sure that things like this could be done was more of the question. 
so I think, you know, again, like if anyone is like really interested in challenging what isn't already out there, like, and you want to take that on, you just got to make sure that the production side can, can meet that standard before you can start selling yourself on this idea. You know, so at the end of the day, we want to be just as immersed in that experience as like the person that goes to it. So, you know, we wanted to make sure we were also excited about it. Okay. And so also you've been um, organizing some of this from a different city. So what is some of the, you know, advice you have of coordinating something when you're not in the same city as the event? I think at this point, uh, given like our day and age with technology and just accessibility with, you know, what we're doing now, conferencing in different cities, it's just like, I think you can pretty much do anything. Um, As long as you have a Wi-Fi signal, you can pretty much be anywhere in the world to get what you need done. The only difference would be is on the press side of customer interactions, like that's the part that has been kind of derailing me as being a little bit more effective because I think people just feel like a little bit more connected to you when you're in the same city, when you're like reaching out to them, be like, hey, like, I can't wait for you to meet you and blah, 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 you know, come to the press night. And so I think that was the only thing that I've encountered. But other than that, as far as like getting this going off the ground, like I I would say like 90% of my clients are, you know, all over the world. So it's never really been like an issue to get what I need to get done. But I think that on the interaction press side, I think that's probably the only thing that I've I've been kind of encountering, but uh, that's going to change shortly, obviously, when I'm there in a couple of weeks. I was going to say, maybe also, like the, I would have thought the event space would have been the other issue, like, you know, being able to visually see it and choosing. Like, well, right? yeah, I mean, like, again, like our technology, like anyone FaceTime a whole experience and like they would uh, record the whole space. And then what I would end up doing is sort of like conceptually coming up with the plan you know, and then like rendering the idea to them and then pitching it to them several different ways until we came to a conclusion that this is the one we wanted. So yeah, I think that, yeah. So I think ultimately you can literally be anywhere in the world and still achieve what you need to get done as long as you have the capabilities to do so. So it's like, you know, don't, don't ever feel like if you're in a different city, you can't, you know, be helping someone in a different part of the world. And I think that kind of relates to like our, the whole theme of what we're going with, you know, kind of as a testimony, you know, like, hey, we're bringing people from different countries over here. So like, it didn't make sense that like, I wasn't also in a different city to be able to work on this. Yeah, Uh, we were talking before about the artists is bringing different like cultural experiences in and that's part of what this is about. Yeah, I don't think we really elaborated on that. I think the yeah. the whole the whole premise behind Will the Light was that um, outside of just being like a unique experience and having some uh, visual and like sort of sensorial auditorial experience, we found that was interesting in our research was that more people uh, the consensus kind of driven data was drawing towards people were more interested in visiting or experiencing or going to recreationally things that they didn't see regularly or that was like a short-term experience and that kind of relates to a lot of the pop-ups installations and things like that so we figured that part of that data was driven from the fact that people don't have the opportunity to go to different countries to see art and things that could be inspired from different countries so the premise behind World of Light was was to bring that opportunity from like all these different countries and sourcing talent you know whether it was already discovered or undiscovered talent and bringing it to a space so that way everyone can see it if they never had the chance to go visually be there or physically be in that country to see it. So that was kind of like what was interesting about this. And I thought that that would be, you know, helpful to like, kind of like, you know, people that just want to be inspired by art or just want to see something interesting. Like I thought that was the most unique thing about this project that I really, really admired from inception. I was like, this is great, you know, like, because I've been obviously traveled 
to different, you know, countries and stuff. And I've seen the art and I'm always inspired when I come back from that. So it's like, I can't wait for people to see, to bring that element of of excitement, you know, to people locally and domestically, obviously. Well, now I want to go and see it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to come. I'm I'm going to have to go and see it now. Yeah. I was going to ask you some uh, questions sort of more specifically around um, ticketing. So one of the things that we're aware of for these sorts of events is ticketing usually needs to allow for scheduled bookings by like date and time. Can you talk a bit about why that's important for this sort of experience? Well, I think ideally because (laughs) of our day and age, again, um, we're very social media driven. So everyone, I think, is at one point or another going to stop and want to take a picture of one thing that they think is interesting or whatever resonates with them, at whatever installation resonates with them the most. And, you know, you could see it's publicly, you know, people are taking pictures all the time in front of things. So part of the, what we wanted to do is kind of control that traffic. So we had to set a time limit for the whole experience of like up to one hour uh, for the general for the general ticketing. That kind of restricted the like the lingering and like, you know, the ability to just sit around and get that perfect pose, you know, 40 pictures later. So, <laughs> I need to take this photo 20 times. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, we definitely... Consider, there's always those people. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the variables of yeah, that are just like extreme sometimes. So it's like, I was like, okay, we got to like give everyone at least 10 minutes for each installation. <laughs> and like, yeah. that's kind of like how we kind of came up with the framework. But then we also en- enabled people to buy a ticket for like a higher premium price, but they can have like an unlimited tour. But yeah, in terms of the ticketing system, I think that that was uh, also a very unique part of this because I've never actually been to an exhibit where anybody restricted the time that you're in something. And yeah. so what I found extremely helpful was that you guys, to be honest with you, of I would say out of 10 ticketing companies or you know ticket system third parties that I went through, you guys were probably the best ones and the most you know resourceful and accommodating to what we needed and how to modify things. I mean, I couldn't say you know how good of a service you guys are. Like you guys, I mean, I definitely like as a testimony could like just scream about how important and how much of an impact you guys have helped with our ticketing system. Like that was just uh, compared to the other ones. It's like there was no comparison. I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> So I really appreciate you. That's really good. That's good feedback. That's great to hear. Yeah, and it's been exciting working with you. And uh, and one of the things that we definitely like to do as a team is, you know, where there's things that we're like, oh, we, we don't necessarily have that yet. We're like, well, let's develop it. What can we do? That like we're constantly getting feedback with the customers. Um, and that's, I think, probably how we're different is we're like, oh, well, if that's something that's important to the customers, well, how can we, you know, bring that in and improve that experience? Yeah, um, I mean, no, you definitely, like, off the charts like I in comparison like literally there was no comparison like I've called a couple other people and I was working with a couple of other teams and I ended up just ending the communication shortly after meeting you guys because the way that the customer service was handled from inception was just way beyond what these other guys were offering so I was like that's it take it butt all the way (laughs) I love it. Team ticket bud. (laughs) I love it. Team ticket bud. Um, So you mentioned that there, you've got a few different types of passes. How did you go about determining like the ticket prices and then like the ticket programming? Basically like the way we did the math was just to cover uh, the production and the investor costs. As the Los Angeles starts, we're really using that as the launch pad to kind of like get us off the ground, brand recognition. We weren't really looking to make huge profit. We just kind of wanted to cover the cost, cover the artist fees, cover the production, and get prepared for the upcoming um, World of Light uh, cities that we're going to be like doing. Uh, so as of now, we have New York scheduled as well as Miami for Art Basel. Um, yep. And then the following year, we're going to be doing Coachella and back in LA. And um, 
you know, and they just build something that's going to be unique. And that's part of what we're always going to do. We're always going to be finding the next new thing, the next guy from that one country that no one knows about. We're going to find him and we're going to bring him to your city so you can see what this guy's doing. And in the end, he's going to, he's going to grow and become a, like a renowned artist, you know, somewhere in, in his life. So that was kind of like what we're the whole goal behind it. You know, we weren't looking to make a millions and millions of dollars. We just wanted a brand that we're proud of that we could put our work into and also be able to establish and showcase artists that have been that deserve that recognition that I think that maybe a lot of them aren't getting right now. Okay. Now I want to ask you some marketing based questions as a marketer myself. Also, I think it's a really important part of um, the event process is getting the word out there. So what was the sort of marketing strategy for this event and what mediums did you use for promotion? So locally, uh, so we have three channels, obviously it's social, local publications and then there's also a third element that we've been testing recently which is more of like the guerrilla style marketing which is placed ads on like i guess you could say uh, one of them's wheat pasting we have soliciting like third parties that are putting a lot of their branded collateral out in front of the retail shops and stuff like that and then because this is a immersive light based you know installation we were thinking okay well that's all cool We've done those two things and everyone could do that. But what makes us unique? So we're in the process right now, which I've sent a rendering over to basically illuminate the entire city hall building downtown in Los Angeles. So the rendering is basically going to be inspired by the countries that we've chosen from the artists. So the whole installation, it's going to be like a 10 minute show where the whole city hall will be illuminated. And I love that. Yeah. So I put together this really interesting like graphic that's going to be like using the colors of each country flag that yeah. the artists were using. And basically it's just going to show gratitude to them. And at the same time, just kind of prepare Los Angeles for what's about to happen. Yeah. Nice. I think that that's a really good idea. That's wonderful. You mentioned social um, channels. What social channels are you using? And do you have a different approach for the different social channels? Um, I guess you could say like we didn't want to like really buy into what everyone else is doing. I, my personal thing is that I'm like big on organic traffic. I mm-hmm. don't like paying for things. I don't like things. I'm like, look, if it's, if it's meant to be, if, if, if it resonates in people's eyes and if your work is, shows integrity, I think people will follow it and look at it and be inspired by it or want to like see more of it. And that was the biggest thing that I've done. So like in comparison to what I found our exhibit to other like, not necessarily similar, but just other art galleries and other things that I've seen in festivals, events. What I've seen a lot of them do is that they would buy a lot of their engagement. Whereas, you know, and so you would see the the contrast of what they're offering like in their social posts and see the engagement numbers were just like skewed completely from what they're saying that they're projecting that they have um, in terms of like engagement. And I felt like I didn't want to do that. Like I told them from the inception, I go, look, if we're going to do this, this is going to happen organically and their investors need to know that, that we're not rushing to make a dollar. We just want to let this happen. And if it happens, it's going to happen the right way. So we took a, a sort of an unorthodox approach, I would say, compared to what I've seen other people do. And I think the, the organic traffic has been all from people that are really inspired by this kind of art or interested in this kind of art. And we think that that was really the goal is to make sure that the right people see what we're putting out for our content. And of course, when it came to um, the actual content itself, the biggest part of that strategy was to just kind of highlight the artists in a unique way, but just making sure that we were pushing like everything in visual, video, animation, like not doing anything static. 
like that was our big thing we didn't want anything static like everything has to move <laughs> everything okay. has to have a light <laughs> so everything that we did was like in a in a small way resemble what we're going to be offering to the public so have you used uh like influences or like you were saying putting it in front of the right people or the key people though or in the art community that you sort of are trying to right so yeah instead of that by by saying like the unorthodox method is that we're not using influencers we're not promoting it we're not doing like what everyone else could be suggestedly saying to do to get something promoted we're just simply relying on local publication putting in talent putting in calendars and then like yeah the social channels are just like the word of mouth yeah yeah exactly okay well and it is a very different experience so it, it lends itself i guess to um people being intrigued in that way and talking about it Right. And I, I think that was part of like the, you know, in hindsight, that was actually what was going to probably make us more credible is that like if people hear about something that was interesting and they experienced it, then that would inspire them to want to go versus seeing like an influencer hold a T-shirt, you know, and saying, had a great time at World Delight, you know, like, <laughs> so, so we were like, we were I, wasn't, like I wasn't actually thinking that I was thinking more like, you know, the artists who were ever involved or that sort of thing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, those guys, well, the artists are all going to be in World of Light bikinis. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, that's cool. uh, so what about, like, at the event itself? So you mentioned, like, people are welcome to take photos. Are you encouraging people to share and, and engage and check in or are you just letting them do what they want to do? Well, yeah, we kind of like just kind of like a free canvas to do whatever they want. Biggest problem I think all the patrons and visitors are going to have is which picture they're going to want to post of what installation because everyone is so unique. So but then at the same time, we also we're working with a developer right now that's going to be doing um, our app. And when we have the app, we're going to have like very interesting uh, filters, kind of like, you know, when you want to take pictures of things or selfies and things like that. So we're, we're really oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, and we also have a photo booth that's going to have, like, a lot of uh, technology. Yeah, so we're still in development of that. We should probably have that by next quarter uh, before New York. So we're looking forward to that. Okay. And why do you think these types of experiences are sort of growing in popularity? Like, what, what do you think the appeal is? I mean, like, again, back to the research, uh, I, I did some extensive research on galleries, festivals, and what made them unique. And, you know, everyone's kind of done the whole music thing. Everyone's done like art things. Uh, a trend right now has been for a lot of brands to do pop-up installations in like mm-hmm. remote areas. And by watching those trends, I was like, okay, so it's basically the same thing, just in a different location. But what makes it interesting? Well, it's because it's only there for a limited time. Yeah. Um, I think the time limitation is probably a key factor to these things. Uh, the underlining element behind that, like I mentioned earlier, was that I think that people just want to see what's going on in the other side of the world and where they're not and the fact that we can bring that to them locally is really what will hopefully inspire people to want to come and see this so i wanted to sort of finish up by asking if there's any advice that you wish you had been given at the start of your career maybe you could share that i would say that just again going back to the integrity of the work i feel like if you ever shortcut anything you're only going to get that much back and if you really believe in something that you're working on and you are diligent with it and you do your part and that means research it, you know, test it, like try to find out as much as you can. I think that's probably the only advice I would say to anybody. I say, look, if you really believe in something, you want to put something out there or if you really believe in what you're doing for people as a service, then you just got to learn everything you can about it and then always be challenging yourself. Like my biggest fear is complacency. I do not believe in complacency. Like I'm the 
opposite of that. Whenever I find myself feeling complacent, I will stay up an extra couple hours to do something else that I feel like is going to further me or be more productive. And yeah. I see the, and you end up inevitably, you'll see the return on that. And I think that's all I'm going to say to people. And whenever people ask me, you know, that kind of question, I'm always like, look, it'll happen. Just stick it out. You know, like it's going to be tough in the beginning, but like stick it out and stick it out. And when it starts getting harder, that means you're right around the corner from it being good. You yeah. know, that's all I can say. I also, I also think what you said about like testing ideas. Like quite often, you know, people are like, I think this is a great idea. I'm like, test it before you go too big on it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was, I mean, like, like I said, yeah. Is, yeah, you're saying, like, I think that's brilliant. To do, you got to sort of see, do a test case, pilot it, see whether it floats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was, that, like I mentioned earlier in the production side, that that was the first thing we did was we started actually. So we were like, okay, now we have this idea and now let's put it to work. And we actually like had to test all these things. You know, they were just off our heads now, off paper, now in real life you know, in front of us. And that was expensive. <laughs> I <could> say, <laughs> that's all I could say. So, I mean, obviously be prepared for anything that you're doing, you know, know your limitations, of course. But, uh, but yeah, like just stick it out don't give up and just keep working through it. Yep. My last question is, um, seeing we're talking about events, I wanted to know a great event that you've attended and what you loved about it. I, so I also uh, work with a lot of fashion clients. And this year we had a lot of pop-up installations in New York that I thought were kind of unique. Nothing specific off the hand, but like a lot of production companies that I was working with were doing a lot of interesting installations here and there, like throughout the city. Um, like the New York Public Library was interesting. One of the designers took over that space. And I think that's really what it comes back to is finding a unique something that's different and sort of challenges the medium that most people are used to when they go to something. And I think that's really what makes an experience unique. And so I would say that, yeah, that's always going to like fall in your favor if you're ever trying to put something together. Yeah, everyone's looking for a new, unique experience. Right. Okay, well, thank you for coming in and chatting with us on the podcast today. Um, World of Light will uh, be open June 6th to August 4th in Los Angeles. Uh, and if you're in LA, don't miss out on this unique experience. Tickets yeah. are on sale now through Ticketbud. It's Ticketbud, uh, worldoflight.com. And obviously our socials are WOL Exhibition, which is short for World of Light, and then hashtag World of Light. Excellent. We'll, put, we'll share that on, on our uh, website when we put the podcast up as well. But uh, thanks for joining us. And until next time, this was Ticketbud Tidbits. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.